first became aware of Carlos Huber in 2014 through Birchbox Man, where he was featured sharing his tips for a finished polished look. I remember being so intrigued watching this handsome, charming man who was both architect and perfumer. Two words that to me at the time were not fitting for kinship. Fast forward five years, and I find myself sitting in front of the man himself, just as charming and equally kind, intentional, and vibrant. With a passion for fragrance and history, Carlos is a true storyteller who has brought together the worlds of scent and structure in a harmonious junction. And as a creative artiste, he is changing what it means to apply your favorite fragrance, making it more than just a step, but an experience. Listen as we learn about a man who has developed an ability to experience life through aroma and who has gracefully taken on the charge of enlightening the individual of the rich history that can lie behind each note of the fragrances we love. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey, Carlos. Hi, how Marcus. are you? I'm very good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us here on How He Does It. We're so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm very honored to yeah. be here. Um, so I think we'll start with just the basics. Um, if you could tell us where you're from, who you are, what you do. Yes. So my name is Carlos Huber. I am an um, architect and I'm a fragrance developer. Um, it does make sense. I'll explain why. But <laughs> I'm originally from Mexico City. I was born and raised there. Um, I studied architecture and then I specialized in historic preservation. And really history is what always like brought me uh, to architecture, art, design. Um, so at a certain point, I decided I wanted to uh, kind of like devote more time and more of uh, my career to preservation. But with a turn of events, um, I, have been, I had been working in architecture and in preservation and in uh, interior design for a while. I, did, uh, I was part of the team at Ralph Lauren for uh, store design. I had done some residential and um, kind of like other architectural projects uh, in here and in Europe and in Mexico. And um, at some point uh, here, socially in New York, I met these two perfumers. And uh, they, beget, they became good friends of mine. And one of them was also from Mexico City. And uh, we just became closer friends. And he was also very sort of generous with uh, his craft because I was always actually very sensitive to scent and to smell. I was always like noticing. Uh, I, I loved, I mean, it was sort of like a, a thing of mine. I loved smells. I loved scents. I loved um kind of like going to the beach and what that smells like going to the forest or going to a city and recognizing what the what like bakeries smell like you yeah. know in each city or uh, even things like the subway i don't know if you ever noticed but like there's specific scents that are not only because of the trash in the subway but like mm -hmm. the tires and the way that the trains are constructed so there's all these little quirks right that i was like that is fascinating yeah so i would always ask him questions his name's rodrigo flores rue and uh one day he kind of like decided to take me under his wing and give me courses and it was something that kind of st started with a level of informality because we would go to his office and the lab uh on tuesdays me and two friends um and we would, uh, he would like discuss fragrance history. We talk about like iconic scents of the past. He would explain the different like families in scent. And I just thought it was such an interesting world. And it was a nice 
was a very sort of, it was very beautiful because it involved the natural world. So it involved sort of like, you know, uh, harvests and uh, going back to sort of like sustainability and in, 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 uh, kind of like sourcing. It involved also sort of like the culture of each place and the connection of these uh, scents and these flowers or woods or resins to particular cultures, you know, mm-hmm. like what India means in, in, sorry, what like Jasmine means in India or what is tuberose for Mexico or what is, uh, I don't know, like uh, rose in the south of France. So that was very, very beautiful to me. And, uh, and in a way, they would design and construct a scent kind of in the same way that I learned about architecture. You know, there's a, there's a base, which would be the foundation, let's say. There's a structure that holds the building together. That's the hard notes. That's mm-hmm. the heart of the fragrance. And then there's the top notes, which are the ornament. They're the decoration. They're like what actually draws you in to the structure. So... I thought that was actually really uh, cool. So I started like taking classes with him um, and I had this idea and because I come from preservation and because, you know, what I learned in preservation was about, you know, researching a specific time, a specific place, researching a building, finding out everything that happened there and based on the clues of the space, the construction materials, the story, kind of understanding what is its significance and how do you want to share it or kind of like uh, launch it into the future so that it has some relevance today. So I thought, what if we could do that with sense? Like if I want to smell, because we would like learn about like, I don't know, like, you know, fragrance history and what the way people would perfume themselves in the 16th century. Um, and I thought, like, well, if we want to, like, understand that, what if we do the research and we try to approximate it via all the clues and all the little anecdotes that we can find? And I thought that would be really cool rather than just sort of, like, having a fantasy about it. Like, it's you just do the research and do the homework and put it together. Yeah. And I thought that would be really cool. And I thought if there's, a, there's you know, geeks and nerds like me <laughs> that are interested in this, I'm sure there's somebody else. Um, so I discussed this idea with Rodrigo and with our other friend, Jan, uh, Jan Vanier. He's another perfumer. He's based in Paris and, um, they liked the idea. They said, let's actually work on this. Let's develop this. But, you know, in order for us to like do something for you in this case, we need to kind of like open an account with the fragrance house. So they kind of like, uh, uh, gave me the the impulse or the idea to present this to Givaudan, which is uh, a Swiss fragrance house. Uh, right now, I think it's the largest in the world. And to present the idea to their New York team um, and kind of think of it as like, let's maybe turn this into a brand because we think you have a brand idea here. And that was really exciting because these two perfumers are very well respected. They're very celebrated. Um, they've done amazing fragrances for Tom Ford, for Joe Malone, for uh, Donna Karen, for you name it, for Tom Brown. I mean, they are exceptional perfumers. And if they are telling me they're interested in this, they want to work on this, and they think it's a good idea, then I thought, why not? Maybe, Maybe at least I'll try it. So 
it's kind of like been an adventure and it's I'm like I feel very very fortunate for pursuing something that like really came from like a passion and it's like as much a passion for me in regards to history and design as well as the culture of scent and the idea of uh smells you know and and what like the nose means to us yeah so all of it is like really cool i've also like been able i don't know i think like i I got to expand parts of my personality maybe that i wouldn't have uh done if if i had just stayed in architecture um not only because i get to travel a lot more and like really experience different cultures and different things and just interact with people a lot more um but it's given me maybe a more like entrepreneurial perspective on business and on uh, life in general. Um, so it's been actually really, really cool. Yeah. So in that, do you feel like you uh, get to step in different parts of yourself when you're yes. doing architecture yeah. versus perfume or is it? It's absolutely that. Although I feel like it's kind of like at the end of the day, it's the same person. It's this, my say, this, my career. I really... Uh, let's say that sort of like you use different muscles for different things, right? Different tools. Um, but at the end of the day, they're all design projects. If I'm working on a fragrance, at the end of the day, it's a construction project. You're developing a scent. Uh, like I said, like you have a structure of how the notes work together, but also you're designing uh, the story. You're designing the packaging. You're programming the production you know, you have to put it together. Your components, your materials, your construction materials need to arrive at a certain place, at a construction site, let's say, uh, to put it all together and to have to kind of like create the final product. So at the end of the day, it's a design project. Well, even hearing you talk about the sense of like being in the subway or the way that the beach smells and then you being an architect is for me, it gives me this feeling of nostalgia. I think that with sense, it always takes me back to a place. Um, and even looking at buildings and look at what you curate, even through your social media, it is this connection between smell, but also location that for me personally, I feel like it takes you back to experiences you've had. Is this birth out of, I mean, you grew up in New Mexico, looking oh, at in, your work in today Mexico City. in Mexico City. Yes. Um, looking at your work today, is it, do you see hints and things that remind you of your upbringing or? Absolutely. And I think actually uh, it's interesting because growing up in Mexico City, we were like blessed to have like a very historic city and a very cosmopolitan, but also very sort of like melting pot kind of city in a lot of ways, because it's a very, it's a very old city with a very specific history. Um, and then yet it's like, you know, it's a very modern country. It's definitely uh, very American in the sense of like, uh, it's way more entrepreneurial. At the end of the day, we're the neighboring country uh, to the U.S. So there's a different sense of, of uh, doing things very different from like, let's say, Europe where it's like maybe more established everything it still feels very new and dynamic let's say but there is a sense of history and there's a sense of of like just different eras that have gone by there um so i think it's made me very sensitive to history but it's also made me very open to the possibilities of working with it instead of just taking it for granted or maybe uh kind of like being very conservative or very 
seeing it as something like stagnant. Um, I think that like open mentality of like being able to tap into the historic center, but then also kind of have like a very modern city around it is definitely very cool. Yeah. And I think there's also like a Mexico is actually, and I don't know if like people realize this or not, but like it is kind of like a crossroads. Like it's kind of between, it's kind of like a little center of the world. If you really think about it, you have in the North, you have the U S and Canada, you have East, you have Asia, um, West, you have Europe. It's kind of in the middle. And so historically, the reality of Mexico, what people see as Mexican is actually a, 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 a very complex like buildup of a lot of different cultures and a lot of different references. Um, and I think we're only just starting to kind of like scratch the surface of that outside of Mexico to discover that. So I think it's, it's really fun. Yeah. So you, uh, um, you <coughs> met Rodrigo mm-hmm. and he took you under his wing. Mm-hmm. Um, when did Arquiste become a real thing? Um, we launched, uh, November, 2011. So, uh, but we started working on it in 2009. So it's actually, this year is our 10 year uh, anniversary of wow. development Congrats. and of work. Thank you. But, uh, but yeah, so it's been eight, eight years that we've been uh, out there in the world. Um, and we started here in the States with Barney's, but then we started, sort of started expanding to other sort of like um, concept shops and multi-brands and uh, high-end perfumeries. And little by little, we started uh, growing outside of the states and so now we're like around 25 countries and um continues to grow so that's good wow really cool and what's the heart behind it the heart is to really sort of kind of connect history and storytelling with uh the experience of scent like to really make that very very clear and to have a very like well researched authentic uh background for it um, th- the idea is not necessarily to make uh, easy to digest uh, fragrances that are just, you know, like forgettable. <laughs> I want to make stuff that is really complex and very, definitely very uh, rich, but I want to tell a very sort of like colorful story with it. Yeah. And I think scent, like you said, like nostalgia and, and memory is such a huge part of it. For me, the idea is not only connecting with your own memory, but like maybe like to a greater kind of collective memory. Um, and I think that's actually really cool. And I, I found that it's actually interesting because for example, there's sense that, um, there's a scent that is based on Mexican flowers and it's about like pre-Hispanic Mexico. But even when I first smelled it, for me, the, the emotional connection to it was that those are the flowers that my mom gets in Mexico when they're in season. So for me, it means home. Now, that's my reality but like for somebody from the south let's say um that they also grew up with uh, with like magnolias or with like gardenias or white flowers like that they also have a special connection to it and at the end of the day it like means that we're all kind of this i mean we're not that dissimilar um and so there's like a there's like a like a collective truth behind our each individual stories that is actually what should be uniting us now so I think that's actually, it's, it's beautiful to think of the little luxuries in life because honestly anything, you know, from like a coffee to, um, 
being able to have a, a night of rest is a luxury in today's world. Um, to have a fragrance, to have a product also kind of inspire you, tell you a story, transport you, um, and have a little bit more of like an intelligent thought behind it. I think that for me is like what I'm interested in like and right now. Yeah. Wow. Really incredible. I feel like you've done a really good job of bringing two passions together. And I feel like I'm surrounded by so many people, especially in the creative space where you have a passion for so many things, but the issue is trying to figure out how to uh, bring them together or even do them both separately. How did you find that place of saying, okay, I'm an architect, but also I have this passion for scent. I'm going to take them both on and bring them, marry them together. I think part of it has to do with being in New York and being exposed to a lot of other entrepreneurs and people that just were a little bit more uh, creative and open about their careers. I think uh, New York is an incredible place to to motivate yourself and see what just people are doing with their lives. And then you talk to people and everyone is very uh, kind of like curious in general. I think people are like want to know what other people are doing and they want to support it. And I think it's also like one of the communities uh, that they help each other more than in other places. There's something about like, oh, uh, what are you doing? What's your field? Uh, let me see where I can connect you, what I can do to help. Um, um, there's, a, there's a sense of camaraderie here um, because we're all from somewhere else and we're all here sort of like just pursuing maybe a dream or just trying to like do something different with our lives. So I think New York is a big part of it. I don't think like I would have like arrived at the same spot or I, I don't think I would be where I am now if I had kind of like settled somewhere else or if I'd stayed back home. Not to say that there's no not entrepreneurship there either, but of course there is. But and, and I think actually like things are, especially in Mexico City now, it's actually a very entrepreneurial, creative uh, space. I think it has that New York energy now. But uh, I think New York is a big part of it. Yeah. But I think in... For me, the storytelling was a good way to link all of these like sort of like aspects and um, kind of sections of of my career or what I could um, develop. So to be able to like tell us like research uh, something, tell a story with it, and then represent it uh, olfactively, you know, and through a smell, through a scent that is like a good way of like uniting everything. Gotcha. I'd love to ask you about the process because it seems like, especially living in a place like New York, you also like to travel. Uh, you'd always have inspiration. So is it a building that you see or is it a story that you have in your head and you say, okay, I want to bring this to life through a scent. How does that come it, about? It can be both. It can be both at the same time. It could be each of them independently. Uh, for example, her latest uh, scent, it's called Misfit. And uh, it's actually something that I learned back in the beginning with Rodrigo. And it's about uh, patchouli, for example, and how patchouli actually kind of like arrived in perfumery and how it became a scent that would be uh, extracted and would be then composed in perfumes. 
and it has a very interesting story. And like I would research the story, for example, in the sense of the patchouli and this new scent, Misfit. Um, patchouli was used, patchouli leaves were used to wrap uh, shawls, Indian fabrics, Indian shawls, um, to protect them from insects and moths when they would be transported from India all the way to Europe, whether it was by caravan or by you know ships. Um, once they arrived, they would smell of patchouli because of you know being wrapped in these leaves. So these shawls that were in the beginning very, very expensive and very exclusive because they were handmade, they were very fine, they came from very far away, of course, um, they smelled of patchouli. So the women wearing these shawls that were wealthy, that's what they would smell like. So when you see porches of the early 19th century and they have one of these shawls, that's what that woman smells like. So it's that now you know that like that's like a little bit of information that like just makes it more accessible, right? Then what happened is once uh, with the industrial revolution, these shawls started being copied in Europe locally, and price fell down. Uh, then they started becoming more accessible and and kind of like less uh, desirable uh, by uh, by the elites. So they trickled down like society until basically it was bohemians and courtesans and you know basically uh prostitutes that would be wearing these uh these shawls and patchouli because that's the scent associated with it became the scent for the first time of like counterculture in that sense it was the first time that misfits were associated with patchouli um, so that I thought was a very cool journey, a very interesting story. It tells you a lot about like the history of trade. It tells you also about like how, you know, trends and fads happen in, in society, not only in fashion, there's a lot of like social ramifications, of course. And I thought, see, this is what's interesting about like scent. It's yeah. not just, it smells nice and you know, I'm getting a compliment. That is amazing too. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's not relevant or important, but there's so much more that you yeah. can tell. So to be able to share this story and for whoever is like interested in this to like be able to like discover it, I think that's actually really neat. So that's the process. Like I'll research a story like this. Um, usually I do for creating the formula, I will also set it somewhere. So for example, in my story that I was researching, um, I had like stages of this journey of the shawl from India to let's say Paris or London and where I wanted to like place my story. And I thought um, they would arrive when they arrived in France, they would arrive in Marseille in the South. And um, I set basically my story, my guidelines, let's say my kind of like project, then I anchored it in Marseille and I thought, okay, so who would be wearing one of these, uh, shawls that smelled of patchouli in 1870 when they were like no longer like the exclusive uh, uh, sort of like property of the elite. Now it was maybe like a courtesan in her like bedroom. So I thought, okay, let's then put it in a bedroom, draped her over, over a bed, and what else would be in that bedroom? So then you do a little bit of like like history into uh, cosmetics of the era. What were the lotions, the balsams, the makeup that uh, a man or a woman would wear at that time? What what else would be in that room? What kind of 
maybe drinks would they be drinking um what's the environment like what would it smell like in there and at some point you also kind of like want want to choose something that is obviously attractive and that feels like oh well i wouldn't smell that bad you know you're not gonna like talk about the black plague (laughs) you know (laughs) like battlefield sense um so all of this kind of like paints a picture and like sets it and anchors it in something real and uh and once i have that story once i have that setting i can then sort of like do a list of ingredients that i think would be part of that lavender for lavender water um balsams and resins for creams and lotions um the patchouli from the the shawl uh the wood from the room um all these kinds of things and once I have that list of ingredients, I then go to the perfumer and uh, then he will interpret the whole story. In this case, I basically give him an essay, an historic essay on the scent, which is my brief, let's say. Um, and then he comes back once he's ready to show me uh, a first try, a first modification, we call it. And once I smell that first uh, modification, that first mod, um, we refine it. And so we keep developing as we go along until um, we decide that it's actually done. And it's kind of like a joint effort between everyone involved. So you know in that moment, are you able to pick out the notes and say, okay, well, this needs to be more, this needs to be less? Yes. That's that's kind of like like where the training also comes in of like understanding, okay, what do you use? You know, it's olfactive memory. I mean, it's like sort of like you know, once you start like calling things by their name and you start understanding what they smell like, you start identifying them. So then you can sort of like smell, I don't know, a day at the beach and you, it just doesn't only smell like the beach. Now you start separating, oh, I smell the sand, I smell nearby jasmine, I I smell the lotion from, you know, the skin. I smell um, salty notes from, or like seaweed. You start sort of like separating the whole thing that's incredible and that's how it works and then it can be two years of development it can be a year of development it can be sometimes you just you know the perfumer will just like nail it so much that like you know they completely got the story and it actually really works as well because at the end of the day you also need to do a very functional technical product you know there's there's certain things that besides like telling the story it needs to last. It needs to have like signature. It needs to evolve well in, on skin. It needs to be chatty. It needs to tell you the story as it dries down on your own skin. So those are all sort of like technical challenges that um, are also really fun. Yeah. How long did that process take of you learning, it, putting names to notes and learning how to pick those out? Um, well, that's been, that's, I mean, I, I, I still learn that. I'm still, it's, it's like riding a bike. You just, get better and better the more you do it it's practice makes perfect um but i think i was able to start you know like actually that's the way jan and rodrigo taught me uh to identify things like not to try to nail the exact name of the raw material but rather associated with the memory and when i started associating oh well this smells like i don't know my grandmother's house then I understood, then I would, you know, there's, you build kind of like a bridge 
the memory is a bridge between the name and the actual scent. And that bridge is what like actually is like the most important link to take you to those places. And then you know the name like with practice. Wow. Gosh, that's incredible. So interesting. It's incredible knowing the story behind this now because even holding Misfit in my hand, when I think about putting it on, it smells incredible. But now I have a vision and a history behind it when I'm using it, which is phenomenal. Do you, is that what it's like for you anytime you use it? I feel like this would have changed the way that you just navigate your space in the world. If you're like picking out notes all the time and separating things and it seems like you have a different relationship with smell than the average person does. Yeah. Um, I think we all have it. It's just maybe we, we don't all recognize it or we don't necessarily call it uh, a relationship. But I think everyone, even people that say that they don't like scents and they don't like wearing anything, the reason why they have an opinion about it is because it matters in their life. You know, so uh, I think everyone really picks on things and we just sort of like read them differently. And they maybe go to the, like, you know, every, everyone has a very emotional connection to stuff, uh, whether it's attraction or repulsion. Um, but maybe once you are able to identify the kind of parts, um, yeah, it makes it a little bit more colorful, let's say. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, so how can we get our hands on Misfit? Or any of your other fragrances? Is, are there any events that we need to be looking out for? Anything? Well, Misfit is launching in a week. It's actually now available uh, to for pre-order on the website. That's arkeist.com. And uh, we'll start selling it to all our stockists, our retailers, um, uh, starting next week. So you can, I mean, you can find on our website, you can find the list of all our retailers, um, but also on our website, if you're in the U S uh, you can buy it directly from us. Um, so we're very excited for it. Great. What countries is, um, Arkeiston? We are, uh, oof, 25 countries, I think right now, um, state U S Canada, Mexico, um, pretty much all over Europe. Um, uh, Russia, Middle East, uh, Australia, New Zealand, all over, all over. Yeah. Gosh, that's incredible. Um, I do want to ask you about a recent event in your life. You are recently engaged. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Um, how I always ask about balance, um, because I think as New Yorkers, I think as people who are trying to make a living, um, you're doing two things at once essentially um, and bringing them together, but also you found time to have a healthy relationship. It looks like, and to invest in that, how being a New Yorker, having a brand that's in 25 countries, you have a relationship. How are you finding balance in your life to do all of this? I think it's also about timing. Yeah. You know, I think we, I think definitely New York, I one thing that I love about New York is that there's like stages in your time here and there's different every year almost means something else and sometimes there's friends that come and go sometimes there's um, things you did every week during a year that like the next year are no longer there Um, so I think it's also like about like timing and where you are in life and where do you want to be I mean I think we're all sort of like, I think finding a partner is one of the hardest thing, if not the hardest thing in the world. Um, 
but I think you also, I think when you have like a feeling of kind of like somebody that I, you think like overall, this is a very positive influence in my life, or this is a very positive thing in my life and this works. Uh, I think sometimes we, we are too scared to like take a step forward and really commit and kind of like understand that like sometimes you can't have it all you've not meant to so maybe um kind of like choose what matters the most to you and i think like there's a point in in uh in you know any city like new york where there's a lot of like people um you know working on their ambitions their careers their dreams um there's a point where you also have to like include um whatever you want out of partnership into that like project even if it doesn't mean like necessarily being one with one person even if it's just you but like i think i think we need to also think about where do you see yourself in 20 years uh do you see yourself with a partner do you see yourself with a family do you see yourself um single and all of that is fine i think uh as long as like you don't neglect it and then are like sort of like surprised or taken back but like oh god like what did i do i'd spent all this time on my career and nothing on my personal life but i like i said i think timing is is really really important here and uh and yeah i think like not to get caught up in the chase all the time there's a point where i think you understand that there's a difference between being productive and uh you know really pushing forward for your dreams and there's the smoke and mirrors aspect of like oh if i go to all these parties i'm networking well are you really networking or are you just having fun and so i think there's a point where like hopefully people understand like oh well like this is this is good for now or this is good for this but um there's other things I can do for my time that mm -hmm. are maybe going to be more productive or are going to make me happier. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing. It is hard though. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. We know. Yeah. <laughs> um, thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you thank so you much for, for joining me. us. Yeah. Of thanks course. For letting me share. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to talk again. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Thank you, Marcus. Thank you. Bye. -bye.